I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. You and I were talking about a rule which had been handed down... Uh, from the Trump administration, which changes the exemptions for certain visas, uh, typically enjoyed by uh, students, the F-1 visa in particular, which allows uh, students to come to this country from other countries and study to pursue degrees of higher education. And the requirement now in place by the Trump administration is that if... Uh, and only if a university is offering in-person instruction, at least in part, this coming fall semester, then a student will be able to, an international student, will be able to either enter the country or remain in the country. Now, uh, how about those schools that are not offering in-person instruction this coming fall? If they are exclusively uh, remote teaching, or online learning. Well, if that's the case, according to uh, these new rules handed down by the Student and Exchange Visitor Program within the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE, uh, it says that uh, you, you can't study here. So if it is the intention of your school to offer uh, instruction online only, uh, and you are here now, uh, you should start making arrangements to either leave this country or to transfer to a school which is offering uh, in-person instruction, at least in part. And if you are a student in a foreign country right now and you intend to come to this country to study in the fall under an F-1 visa, then you, you better make sure that your school offers in-person uh, learning at least in part. Now, so that's where this all started uh, right now. In fact, about eight minutes ago in Boston, Massachusetts, there is a hearing underway now to see if a judge determines whether or not to grant a, a temporary restraining order. Uh, restraining the force of this rule handed down by ICE and allowing students to, in fact, uh, uh, continue their educational program regardless of what their universities decide in the fall. Uh, one of the documents that uh, has been uh, joined to the Harvard and MIT lawsuit is something called an amicus brief, and it is an opportunity for uh, other organizations, institutions, or individuals uh, to voice their support for the uh, for the action being taken, for the legal action being taken. And so a, a number of Utah universities and colleges, uh, Westminster, University of Utah, uh, Amy just sent me a note that uh, Utah State has just joined on as well, uh, and including uh, Weber State. President President of Weber State University, Brad Mortensen, a friend of mine, joins me on the line now. President, sir, how are you? Lee, I'm great, thanks. It's always good to be with you. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, let me ask you this. First and foremost, why uh, add your university's name to this uh, to this document? Um, you know, we've 
we're working really hard right now to help all of our international students uh, be able to figure out a course schedule so that if this stays, if this rule from ICE stays in effect, they'll be able to stay here in the States and study by taking face-to-face classes. We have about 35% of our classes lined up to be face-to-face this fall. Um, so, we're, you know, we're having to adjust some schedules and, and work to make that happen. But I think the bigger concern is, as we learned last March, things can change quickly. And if we were to be in a situation where we have to jump within three days, like we did in March, to go all online, then um, we worry about what that would do for the status of our over 300 international students with this rule. And so uh, uh, we thought it was important to play a part in the policy process and really share um, through this amicus brief the, the impact that, that that could potentially have, not just to those schools who are 100% online, but to schools like like the ones you mentioned here in Utah, um, Weaver State, Utah State, University of Utah, Westminster, who really value the input to campus that our international students have. Talk to me about the types of studies that are traditionally undertaken by your international students. You say uh, just over 300 or so. What types of classes are they taking? You know, they're really spread all throughout the university. We have some uh, students in our economics program, we have students here studying engineering and computer science and criminal justice. We have some outstanding students in our piano pedagogy program um, that have won awards here in the state. And we have, we have a number of student athletes um, on our men's and women's basketball team and tennis and track and field who are all international students. So they really contribute um, to part, being part of the university community all across campus. There are really two categories of international students who would be most impacted by this. There are those uh, who are here in the country currently, and then there are those who are planning to, to come in the fall. Are, are you interacting with, the, with those two categories of students right now? Yes, yes, we're interacting with both. As soon as the ruling came out, we started having town, we had town halls every day last week for our international students and and our team in our international student and scholar center has just worked overtime to reach out to every student to help accommodate their schedule or their personal needs we we have some international students who are choosing to take just online courses and stay in their home country um just out of concerns for their own health and well-being during the pandemic but there are a number of others who we've been able to work with their advisors and adjust their course schedule so that, um, you know, they're either here now or when they may mm-hmm. plan to come back, they can maintain their F-1 visa status and, and be able to, to stay in class, uh, regardless which way this uh, court uh, case plays out. It's interesting. You, you talk about adjusting their schedule. You mentioned there are 35% of your uh, courses will be offered uh, in person in the fall. Was it the circumstance of some of those international students that they weren't uh, planning on taking one of the classes that fell within that 35% and are now looking for ways to get to get into that to, to secure their position here? Yeah, yeah, that's that's absolutely right, Lee. And so we've, you know, we've worked with the advisors so that that the one thing that we've done um, this fall is really try to take an approach of flexibility because we hear from some students yeah. who absolutely want to have face-to-face classes. This, these aren't just our international students. These are our, our local students, too, and, and others who are worried for their own health or the health of family members and loved ones who they live with that they don't want face-to-face classes. And so we've tried to provide a, 
a variety of options, uh, face-to-face, online, um, and then what we are calling virtual classes, which are, are, you know, you still meet at a specific time, but uh, they're all through Zoom or through other Mm -hmm. technological means. Uh, where you have that live interaction. Uh, so, so we're, we're trying to do a lot of options all across the curriculum to meet the diverse needs of our student body. And, and that fortunately helps our international students have more options given, uh, this ruling that came out on July 6th. And I just, I want to just throw in to one complicating piece about all of this for us is that back in March, ICE announced that um, international students would be able to maintain their F-1 visa status um, even if they were only taking remote or online classes. So this reversal that kind of came out of the blue, um, you know, on July 6th uh, is, has really created a lot of stress and strain, um, as, as I know you were talking about with our students, with our mm-hmm. institutions. And, and with, you know, just all across the board. Yeah. Well, President Mortensen, uh, I'm grateful to you, and I appreciate your, your flexibility, and I'm sure those students do as well, and I wish you the best of luck. Uh, spirits are good looking into the fall? Uh, everyone's optimistic and working together? You know, uh, that's all we can do at this point, right? Right. And, uh, be optimistic. And, and people here at Weber State, and I think at the higher ed institutions around Utah, have really rallied to try to figure out how to accommodate students um, and keep our institutions moving forward despite all the challenges. So, yeah, we're definitely optimistic, and uh, we'll, we'll make the best of whatever the situation is. President Brad Mortensen, Weber State University, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck now and in the fall. Thanks, Lee. You take care.